Hello, and welcome to the Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Milo, and joining me are Ricky and Gareth. Hi, guys. Evening. Hi, Milo. We're here again. You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, yeah, it's us three again, reconvening slightly um, further down the Tottenham Hotspur mountain, but, you know, <laughs> we used to be at the top of it weeks ago, but, you know. Well, we were four minutes away from staying there, weren't we? Yeah, the that's true, yeah. So, on Friday afternoon, Ange Postecoglou rounded up everyone who could still stand at the training ground and put them on a coach to the West Midlands for our game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Tonight, we're going to talk about that game, how they did and how we're going to manage without key players over the coming weeks and months. So I'm going to break with the order a bit and um, start, well, kind of with injury crisis, injury problems. Let's not get melodramatic uh, before, <laughs> we move on to the, before we move on to the match discussion. So Ange told us on Friday what we'd all been fearing, that Mickey van der Ven and James Madison will be out for a while, well, till the new year. And that's, so that's eight games if you're keeping score. Uh, he also confirmed that Richarlison undergone surgery for a groin injury and is expected to be out for up to a month. Um, and they're joining Ivan Perisic, who's out for the season pretty much. Manor Solomon, who's out, I think, until the spring at the least. Ryan Sessignon, we still haven't got a return date for. And when Ange's been asked about it, has been pretty kind of non-committal about, about his return date. So as far as I'm aware, he hasn't been seen at the, uh, at the training ground or photographed mm-hmm. at the training ground. Alfie Whiteman, um, who's also out for the season with an ankle injury. And then this week... And for the next couple of games, Christian Romero is well, suspended for his uh, for his red last weekend uh, last weekend against Chelsea. So yeah, for this game, it was obviously we we had four players out: Romero, Van der Ven, Udogi, and and James Madison. How did our makeshift defence do? I, I think overall, when I looked at the team, in fact, we had this conversation, didn't we, on either Saturday morning mm. or Friday afternoon, that there was a very good chance that when the team got put out, it was just going to look like we'd gone back in a time machine about 18 months <laughs> and we were looking at the lineup for a Europa League game. Certainly when you looked at the um, at, at the back end of the of the team. Yeah, there were, there were so many question marks. We, we Again, on, on WhatsApp, Milo, we were we were sort of had this pad of paper with question marks on it where you're trying to work out the fill in the, mm. fill in the gaps and without knowing players... Um, fitness levels. I mean, Ben Davis was the was the question mark. So we knew that he was he was on his way back. There was um, there was only so many ways that you could you could you could put that team out. Um, I mean, I do think generally. So if we're just going into team selection, I do think Ange birds slightly on the on the side of safety rather than bravery with his team selection in in general. I do wonder if I'm playing captain hindsight whether um, having Ashley Phillips in there might have allowed us to play in a slightly different way and you'd have had one less player who's probably suffering from muscle memory of, of defending deep and trying to hold on to a lead, lead which ultimately was, was our downfall overall. But I, I may have answered about three or four of the topics in, <laughs> in one answer there. So I'm gonna, I'll, let, um, I'll let Ricky give his thoughts on it. I think his first thought must have been, I'm sort of forced to make three changes in defence. So um, I need to see how that goes and what it looks like, basically. You're going to assess it in the first thing. And I think choosing the three centre midfielders that he did in front of them have all pretty much kind of unquestionable quality of defensively their sound. And I think that then plays into seeing it's massively disruptive having the... I mean, Ange said that himself. It's massively disruptive mm-hmm. having so many changes in defence and those defenders bring different qualities. And the problem we've had is, is Romero's and Van der Ven's qualities have been so high level that we know that that's how this team's been functioning so well. Because as Gareth says, we're flipping back to last year's defence and we all thought the defence would be a massive problem this year. And it just shows how much it's been cured by the new faces we've had in there. And three of them were missing. So um, I can understand why why he did what he did. Um, and... 
whether that whether those centre midfielders help the defence, I'm not quite sure. I think that's still up for debate. Uh, defensively, um, I think we'll get into it, but I think. I don't think they did badly, but then did they not do badly uh, in comparison to when they played other times for us, if you see mm. what I mean? Is that is that their level? Is that what we think? I think, I mean, individually, Ben Davis, I thought, had a great game. Um, uh, I mean, selection-wise, you could flip him around with Royal if you wanted to play him at left-back, but um, I don't think, I'm not sure how much that would have made much difference. I think Royal's okay at left-back. Uh, defensively he's quite good but I think sometimes attacking wise he takes a few two touches I think he likes to just mm. show that he's I, got you I mean I think that's a bit of a problem with all of them coming in actually you know compare the comparing them to the players who we've lost all of those players want an extra touch than the players they've replaced and I think you know Wolves were pressing up quite high on us weren't they and and not really giving us a lot of space and I think I think that makes it very difficult I, I was wondering about whether he might play Royale in, in, um, in central defence and, and Davis at left back, partly because of the kind of extra pace he's got. But when I was watching the game, I was kind of thinking back to the summer and you know his Celtic sides and what what we know about him, and he tends to prefer a left footer on the left hand side. Um, so I think that's probably why he went for Davis. I, I think that's going to pose an interesting question when Romero Romero's back as to whether he sticks with Davis with Romero because he wants that left footer. And yeah, you know, if you think about when we're playing with our first choice back four, um, one of the moves we see quite a lot is us dragging play over to the right hand side. Romero passing to Van de Ven and then Van de Ven putting a ball out to the left wing. You know, Richarlison has been typically, but out to the left wing and play from there. If Dyer's on the right-hand side of defence, that that pass isn't on. He can't do that. Um, And I think that would make us quite... quite predictable and if you're if you're trying to press us then if you close down Romero force him to place to play to Dyer then you've effectively sprung a trap where it's gonna be quite easy to get a turnover in quite dangerous places um yeah. so I, I, I do wonder um you know I do wonder whether that you know you might stick with Davis for that reason and, and that's part of the reason why he picked Davis in this game I, I've done what you've done Gareth now and kind of ran rough shot over half of our script for tonight and the questions <laughs> and try and answer them all in one. Um, you, you mentioned the, def- you've mentioned the midfield there and kind of whether that was a problem. Um, do you do Hoybier, Saar and Basuma provide enough balance? Um, I mean, the reason I was saying about the centre midfield is because I think he was erring on the side of caution on that. And then the other thing he'd be watching out for is whether, um, creativity has fallen through the floor mm. through them three. And then you adjust as you go along in the game. Uh, because I mean, we were we were kind of thinking that if Madison's out, we do we do think that Lacelso should get should be the next one in really to sort of fill that role. Yeah. And when he wasn't selected, it then does make you think: what is his place at the club? What does yeah. you know? How far down the list do we have to go for him to get a game? But whether it is whether he didn't get the start because of the defensive problems, I'm not quite. I, I meant that could have well been the you know the, the correct way to go. I think. I mean, it could be. I mean, this is where we're learning about Ange, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, it, all managers have a different approach to how they bring players in, and I, you know, it might just be a, a you know a pecking order thing. Hoybier has been kind of regularly the first called upon, and so far hasn't really let him down. I think he's done pretty well from the bench. Um, you know, we've asked a lot of Hoybier this season in that he's effectively played kind of he's played three positions, hasn't he? He's played he's come on for Saar in that kind of defensive eight role. He's come on for Basuma in the in the six role, and then against Chelsea, he also played as a centre back. So it's a lot asking for a player who's on the fringes of the team coming in and out to come on in and out in different roles and, and still perform at a high level. And generally he has. So yeah, maybe it's just he went for the ones he knows aren't gonna let him down and 
you know, if, if, if we're being honest about the Celso, you couldn't necessarily say that about him, could you? No, I think selection-wise, what he was, I think it looked like the logical selection, i.e. Mm. I, I assess who's played for the club before, how many Premier League games they've played, what positions they've played before. And then it's not, you know, it's not the most creative or way out. It's, in other words, it's just the logical, most kind of route one kind of selection, I think, because we could have thought, oh, Phillips could play, the Celso could play. But... I mean, when Angie's adding it all together, I suppose there's a, there was a level of pragmatism there. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to give you a very elaborate anecdote that's <laughs> going to de- deliberately not answer this question. Um, but I, I always remember the, like, one of the few things I remember from secondary school science, actually, in, in year seven, so I'm going back 30 years here, was the, the concept of a fair test. So you can only change one thing at a time to work out what the, you know, what the denominator is and what changes things. So to have a three individuals coming into a team, so Royale playing on the left-hand side, which isn't his natural side. So no matter how good we think he is as a fullback, playing as an inverted fullback, he's never going to be as effective on the left as he is on the right. As you said, two, Dyer and Davis coming in in the, in, in the centre of defence, both as individuals playing in that system and then as a, as a combination. You've also got, yeah, Hoiberg coming back into the team who, yeah, he's, he, he's been very good for us this year, but he's almost developed that specialist role as a closer that mm. you bring him on to try and close games out, whether you've, you're ahead or not. He started against Fulham but again he had that more structured system behind him Basuma, I know we'll, we'll talk about, just hasn't been the same player. He looks like a play. He looks like he needed to have got that suspension out of his system, and hopefully we'll see the Basuma we saw in the first the list. seven games get another one <laughs> out of the way. Um, you're then asking Sar to play higher up the pitch as well. If um, if Lacelso comes in, I mean, I, I'm not Lacelso's biggest fan. I'd, I'd be quite happy for him to go out in January. I, I think he's had ample opportunities here, and he's never really done enough to you know, to make us think he's going to be part of the team. But part of the problem for that is that he comes in and it's going to take him quite understandably probably mm. three or four games to to get back into the into the flow of things. He only ever really had that good spell um, right back before lockdown in the early months of, of 2020. And he's never yeah. had a run of games in there. So again, playing captain hindsight here, I've already said I would have put um, Phillips in the in the defence. We've given something different. I would have I would have started Jamie Donnelly in there just because I think he was a player who has probably stylistically as close as we've got to mm-hmm. Madison and he's been playing regular football he's been playing for the under 21s which albeit it's nowhere near the level that um of it's nowhere near the level of the Premier League. Um, however, he has been playing. He has actually been playing actual. He has been playing football mm. matches, whereas Lacelso hasn't. But yeah, all, you know, all in all, there's just far too many variables. There was there was there was no perfect way of of, of getting through that game yesterday. Um, I, I just feel he, he danced in the press conference. They asked him, "Will you be tempted to sort of move away from your principles?" And he mm. he, he he gave an answer about not being tempted by anything in, in life except chocolate, chocolate. Um, mm. and that therefore he would stick to. To his principles, but actually, say it felt like the you know the dial was cranked more around to safe than, than think, brave in the in the selection. I, but it's understandable. I, think, it's not- I mean, I think that might be more revealing of because he can stick to his principles, but more revealing of his risk profile really, and whether he thinks whether even in his head he's remotely thinking I'm going to play like a player from the under twenty ones that was like you know whether he would even consider that. I mean, Phillips is probably a bit closer from the point of view it looked like we bought him as a first team member, but has played. 10 games for Blackburn, I think, isn't he? So, you know. That's right. So, yeah. And so, and, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, just to tick off something else that may be on later on the agenda, Jamie Donnelly played today for the under 21s. They won a game in the Premier League mm. Cup away at their counterparts in Peterborough. So, I don't know whether Wayne Burnett said to him, please don't use him today at Modern Years, the first team, because <laughs> I want him at Peterborough tomorrow. Yeah. I say, we're, we're, we're racking off these questions. We'll get this all 
done in another 10 minutes, I reckon. We can have the rest of the night off. Um, <laughs> um, in terms of kind of that, that this is a defence. Do we think that, you know, with Doggy coming back for the next game and then Romero after another couple, does that improve things? Or, you know, we're, we're still carrying, you know, a player in for Van der Ven, a player in for Madison. It's still going to be tough to, to see it through. Or, you know, was it just a case that there were too many out this time? And I mean, I, I guess it gradually gets better. Some of that will be dependent on external factors like who the opposition are and, and how they play and what things and how predictable they think will be and how much we play into their hands tactically our our next games against Villa so what you know in, in theory everyone international yeah um although they you know they lost at Nottingham Forest last week so they're a very very good side at home playing them away should be a slightly different slightly um different animal but um I mean, yeah, Udogi's definitely an upgrade on Emerson Royale, mm-hmm. even if it's for the balance it gives you more than anything else. So you'd like to think that there, but then I, you know, then Basuma's out, so it's whether you know is Bentancur fit and available to to start the game. I think it'll be Hoybier. I think it'll be Hoybier at the base of midfield for that game. But yeah, I mean, I think Udogi makes a big difference because I think there's quite a few times where uh, Royale got into the final third, and then that kind of "what the fuck do I do now?" look came across his face, mm-hmm. and, he, and he passes it back, and 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 it breaks down. I think. During the game, um, on, where are we? Um, so Royal's got a pass success rate of ninety three percent compared to Poro's seventy two. But Poro's doing a lot more kind of high risk, high reward balls, which is what Ange wants. Yeah. And that kind of, I think, particularly in the first half, there was so so often when we were playing it safe and playing it across. Uh, midfielder or across defence without really doing anything with it. Um, whereas you compare to you know what with our first choice side would do is very zippy and that kind of up and down W shape passing and then coming yeah. out through that. Whereas this was flat line passing across and not really that yeah. that invention, not really pulling t- wolves around to find space. Um, mm. And I think part of that's down to say those players needing that second touch, needing that, uh, you know, to control the ball. But I think part of it's nerves, isn't it? But um, Royal definitely fits into that as as part of that problem. And a doggy would, would help with that, I think. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, looking at them when they play, I just think in an attacking sense, I just, I think Poros and your doggies' brains just work quicker. In mm. other words, they're a lot more, they're just on it a lot more quicker and without hesitating without thinking as much and you're right in giving a caveat that the players that are coming in you know everyone can be a bit rusty and they need to get up to speed yep. and that but having said that the way I see Royal play I've seen him play before he's just he's I don't know he, he he's a very confident lad but it's almost like so confident that he wants to sort of just feel the ball a bit too much I think sometimes rather than just like moving it on and uh but you know I mean I don't think he did bad and we're, we're quite lucky I mean it's not a long time ago we'd have been horrified at Royal plan left left back you know what I mean so things have yeah. progressed you know things are progressing even when I, they look like they're not kind of thing. I mean I, I feel like that about all the players coming in I don't really want to lay into any of them I think I mean we know their deficiencies we you know the players coming into the team you know we've seen them enough we know what they're good and what they're less good at we know how well they fit this system or don't fit this system um you know we know that within the next couple of windows most of those players are likely to be gone mm. and because they don't fit with you know the the style of football and and Angie's long term plans, but you know that's by the by, and nothing's really gained from from slating them because no. we know they're off. And yeah. I think actually during this game, within you know kind of their limitations, they all tried their best. Um, it's just that it's it's not quite enough for what the manager wants and how the manager wants to play. 
I mean, ironically, it's akin to like, you know, when we play one of those mixed um, teams in one of the cup games, isn't it? Yeah. Where, but of course, this has been forced upon us. So we, we give it a little bit more kind of softness and a bit more leeway. But yeah, when we have those cup games, you think, oh, no, we've made like six, seven changes and they just don't know each it, other. And of course, Saturday yeah. was going to be a bit like that as well, wasn't it? Because it of was the changes. very, it was very much like the Fulham League Cup game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. I, mean, I thought it had all the the energies of a Europa League group stage game or a, you know an FA Cup tie. Where yeah, they make, so they make five or six changes to the team. It all seems a bit disjointed, and we get overrun by a team who probably are on about a par with Wolves. I reckon most of those Europa League teams probably in the par there, mm. and in, invariably we we get beaten by the odd goal in an away game, and would probably win by a couple if it was at home. And that's almost exactly how it panned out. Before we get into kind of into the match discussion fully i know we kind of strayed there and kind of kind of wandered and weaved as we've, we've gone through this bit but you know in the summer we let davison sanchez leave we let jaffet go on loan to augsburg winksy winksy yeah i suppose as well but in hindsight i mean i think i think the reasons for this is because it, you know obviously we want to build a new squad we need to clear players out i think it was a calculated gamble from Ange and and the and the the club in order to really let those players go now and yeah, in hindsight, was that calculated gamble right? Is that still the right decision, do you think? I, I think it is in the long term. I remember saying at the time that the window just gone felt like one to try and clear the deck so we could build in, in future windows. I mean, essentially, if you'd have put Damiton Sanchez in there instead of Eric Dyer yesterday, we'd have got exactly the same outcome. Yeah. Um, you've had Tanganga, I, I guess, either you know left back instead of Emerson Royale, I think exactly the same thing. Equally, I think if you put Winks in midfield, it would have been, or you put all three of them in there at exactly the same time, the same thing would have happened. So yeah, it was, we were always going to be playing. I think we played the long game in the summer. I don't see any problem with it in hindsight. No, I don't either. I mean, we we know what Sanchez is and we know what Jaffet is. And in a long term, I mean, even in the short term, as ridiculous as it sounds, I wouldn't, I'd rather Phillips play six, seven games and just, you know, cause, just to see what happens. Because I think we, we know what Sanchez is and we know what um, Jaffet is, really. I don't think down the road they were ever going to be like um, uh, a good enough quality of player for where we want to end up, really. So it's just, it's part of the process. And, you know, during that process, sometimes things are a bit of a bitch, really. But, mm. you know, yeah, and I, th- I think the only way that Davo stays is if Dyer leaves in the summer, and mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I think, yeah, what we saw in pre-season, I think that probably probably would have been our preference. But you can only sell players that there are bids for. Jaffet, yeah. Jaffet, I feel sorry for. He's only made the bench once for Augsburg this season. Oh, is he? Um, it's not going well for him at all. Um, and and Harry Winks wouldn't have regained his form for us, would he? Because he wouldn't be featuring and then he's coming in cold. So it's exactly the same situation as we're seeing with, you know, La Celso or Brian Hill or others. I mean, plus at the moment we've got, I mean, that's one area we're stocked with. Or we, I mean, yeah. with Bentico's return, we've um, ended up with five centre midfielders there to choose on because Skip's still available and Saar and Basuma, Bentacor and Pierre. Yeah. Um, one thing I would like to say is that Pierre and Dyer they're kind of players that could have gone in the summer, but in hindsight now, I mean, they've stuck around and Dyer's really been on the fringes, but I think we have to just say that we're lucky that two of them have got a really good professional side to themselves that means that they will still do everything for us when they come mm. in and are called on. When some other players could have easily been a bit more sulky about not getting a move or just gone on the fringes and completely yeah. lost interest. So we're quite lucky that we can call on them and they're decent enough human beings. So yeah. that sounds ridiculous because they're still probably getting 80 grand a week or 100 <laughs> grand a week or something. So, you know, you put a little bit yeah. of that in, guys. I mean, but you know, you get my point, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd, I'd take 80 grand a week to potter around on my allotment. You know, that'd be quite... <laughs> 
be yeah, quite nice. That'd be great. Really. Um, I'd love I, that. I think when you look at those players going as well, I think you know before the season started, I think most of us thought this was going to be a kind of transitional season. Whilst we settled in, we knew that there was a, at least a couple more windows to complete that squad rebuild, and because we've overachieved over the first you know kind of three months of the season, that that kind of goes out that kind of rational bit goes out yeah. of your mind, doesn't it? And then it's kind yeah. of, oh, we're in, we're in the challenge for the title. So we've got to, we've got to have a, a title-winning squad right the way through. Damn you, Levy, why haven't you delivered that? And, you know, in, yeah. and yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of a lot where a lot of the fan base uh, managed to get themselves. Just one last question on this before we move on. So do we just have to accept that, this, you know, that we are in that kind of rebuild um, and that this is going to be an issue until... You know that's completed. You know maybe we can bring in bring in another couple in January and and ease that. You'd hope that a kind of a pacey centre back who could play on either side would be a priority. You would think for January. Um, but you know, do we have to accept that probably until the beginning of next season, this is a risk because the you know the kind of the depth of the squad is pretty shallow. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that you know the old cliche about it's very difficult to bring players in in January. Uh, you know, who knows who Don Fabio has got lined up, and or the new recruitment team, and who who they know, who overseas players we haven't heard of. I mean, the player in the Premier League that's been linked with us on a couple of occasions is Lloyd Kelly of, of Bournemouth, yeah. who looks like he absolutely would fit that profile. But you can't imagine Bournemouth are going to be too keen to sell him without getting someone else in in the in the situation that that they're on. So yeah, I think I think it is. I think you've, you've mentioned it earlier, Milo. We as football fans, we live in the moment. If anyone had taken us at the start of the season, you know, the moment Harry came with us, I would say, look, after 12 games, mm-hmm. the November international break, you're going to be on 26 points. You've only lost two games and you're, what, two or three points off the team at top. We'd have absolutely bitten anyone's hand off. But because you live in the moment and, you know, up until, well, quarter past eight on Monday night, we thought we were going to be top and we're still genuine title challengers. And then you get two bad results that go against you and suddenly you're looking over your shoulder a little bit and the... Um, and the, it's, it's, well, they say it's the hope that kills you, but those expectation levels had, had, had risen to unsustainable levels. And maybe this, you know, these last five days aren't bad in the long term in, in just trying to cool that down a little bit. The interesting one on Kelly is that I so say he's only got six months left on his contract has, in January. Yeah. So that might help. Um, also, Matt Wells coached him when he was at Bournemouth with Scott Parker. And we know that Matt Wells is our defensive coach in the setup we've got. So, uh, not only does he know him, he's you know he he it's his department that he would be coming into, which I think is interesting. Um, so I would just I wouldn't be surprised if informally we've been talking yeah. to him and and sounding him out and finding out whether he's interested. Um, I suppose it all depends on uh, Dan Kilpatrick's piece earlier in the week was talking about January business and saying that we're still looking to try and sell Eric Dyer in January um, because he's got six months left on his contract. So um, I don't know. I mean, maybe Eric Dyer ends up going to Bournemouth. I don't know. (laughs) But... um, I mean, a lot of that makes sense, I think. I think it's a good shout, really, because as long as um, Kelly got on with um, the man at Tottenham, then that's that's nothing but to encourage you to come, isn't it? Especially if they... um, I mean, we're not beyond the front... Beyond the two centre-halves we've got at the moment and you doggy, we've not really got much depth below that. So, you know, there's a big chance of getting game time, really, if he comes to us. And and you're looking at someone who's happy to come in and be third choice. And a lot of players won't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, uh, come January, I mean, the, a little silver lining might be this international break is I think 
you said in our chat, Gareth, that there's very few players around, isn't there? Probably in left behind. So what that might actually do is um, give Ange a chance to do a good bit of catching up with the new, the three new guys, making up the transfer kind of thing for some casual chats mm-hmm. around the cafeteria and get really ahead of steam up for January. So, you know, that, it's going to give you more time if you've got less players to train. Um, but apart from that, uh, I mean, let's be grateful that we could have had, a, you know, any new manager coming in, losing our best ever goal scorer, could have ended up with a worse start and then still having this situation. So um, I just, I'm just quite grateful of um, the 20, 26 points we've got is, you know, quite close to the 40 that you need to avoid complete disaster in a season. So um, <laughs> I'm sure we can get 14 points for the rest of the season. <laughs> that- that was brilliant from Ange at his press conference where he was, I think the first question was, um, this is the first crisis you've faced since you've been to the club. And he laughed and he said, yeah. losing the best player that this league has ever seen the day before the season started. You know, yeah. just. Oh, he's so good at that, isn't he? Just like, he's got the real quick responses that just put people like, douses them with perspective or makes them kind of like, then think the question again. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put another He's coin like, in the Conte swear box, but thank God he isn't. Can you imagine what he would be like this oh. this last week with everything that's going on and, you know, it would have been unbearable. Yeah, 100%. Should we move on to the actual game now? We've kind of Yay. talked around <laughs> it. So we kind of touched on the selection. Yep. What did we think when we first saw the lineup, Gareth? When I saw the lineup, I, I, I thought, and it was totally expected, um, I, I just thought this is probably going to be like one of those Europa League Cup ties where if we, we go away and we, can, we put in a, quite a disjointed performance. Um, I mean, my first observation once the players walked out was I can't see any of them because the, the shadows <laughs> at Molyneux, that was the worst shadowing I've ever seen. For me, the ones at Newcastle are always pretty bad um, when they have sort of like a sort of a Sunday afternoon game there. But at Wolves, because of you know, the, the time of kickoff and the fact they've got that stand behind the goal that's big and then you've got the main stand as well, that there was only a small slither of sort of diagonal. Actually, the bit that we we scored in the first half where you could actually make anyone out and it was a really bad spectacle and just from like, what I, I haven't gone in two footed on Saturday 12.30 kickoffs for a while so just indulge me for a moment but um, you think from the if that hadn't been a Spurs game, I would have switched it off because I was so fed up. And there must have been people around the world watching that who would have tuned into that and just thought, I, I, I can't be bothered I with this. I couldn't work out, though, because there was almost like two big shadow quadrants yeah. in opposite sides of the pitch. And I was thinking, well, surely the sun only shines in one direction. <laughs> How is that like casting a shadow in both kind yeah. of bits? But um, well, I did notice on the toss, though, that we won the toss and turned them round, which yeah, is quite good because yeah. I think... Yeah. Yeah, it I worked, think yeah, I think yeah, I think Bucario then didn't have the sun in his eyes, and I think the sun had moved round mm. enough so he didn't have it in his eyes in the second half. And yeah. also, if you've got a bit of a unfamiliar defence, and you think, well, if there's nothing worse than the sun really glaring mm. in your face, mm. looking it's up another the pitch. variable, yeah. So there's tiny little things like that did make sense. So someone had obviously been out there with the old compass and thought, <laughs> yeah, let's let's get this turn around if we win the toss, but, which is probably you know the only thing we won all day. So the, um, <laughs> the outside of the ground is painted gold, isn't it? So maybe that just reflects it in there, and it's kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. vis- visibility wise Gareth was oh, it just... worse than the Fulham Cup game where we might as well have been wearing camouflage for all it did for... oh yeah it was awful wasn't it um, yeah well I mean don't even get me started on the fact that we weren't wearing white yesterday but we, it oh. seems to be taken as given that we'll change kits when we go to yeah. when we go and play Wolves in old gold but anyway that's another um, that's another soapbox that I won't step on today um, it was I mean look I no, no. Let, let me let me stop there because you because you asked me what I thought of the starting eleven. I've I've now gone on a diatribe about the angle of the sun and Saturday. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't manage to squeeze it in during the injury crisis. You know? <laughs> 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 Ricky, what did you think? Of the I lineup? just thought that I, I was just 
I mean, it was kind of lineup I expected. It wasn't a surprise, but I was just hoping that the six in front of the four, the makeshift four, were pretty much looking okay. You know, on paper, that looked kind of quite good. I was just hoping that they would, um, you know, as long as we can get the ball from the defence to them, then those six are not much different than normal. And to be honest, for the first 10 minutes, we were, I mean, I, I quite like the um the first 10 minutes because we've started fast in quite a few games now mm-hmm. and I think earlier in the season we was a little bit slow and we used to feel our way into games and you know whether it's Burnley or whether it was um Liverpool or the or Chelsea exactly I mean Chelsea we were absolutely amazing mm-hmm. and we were in this game for 10 minutes we were like passing the ball for fun they just couldn't live with us yeah I said that I'm just again looking back through our WhatsApp group, which is often quite an interesting place just to, just to go back. So I'd said when the teams were announced is that it's essentially last season's team, bar Vicario for, for Lloris and yeah. Johnson in for Kane. Otherwise, it's a 22-23 squad there. And my point was being that I was still quite... Well, I, w- I was hopeful that we might see some really good fast-flying attacking football, like we saw in the first ten minutes, and then that would be um, that would completely highlight how much we've been gaslit by Conte and Mourinho into thinking that you put these players out and all they can do is defend deep and play counter-attacking football, mm. um, which would be really, you know, really dull. But yeah, the first ten minutes were were, were really, really mm. good. We've started games against Chelsea. We started very, very quickly and and obviously scored, and we started very, very quickly. And I just thought Wolves won't be able to to live with this. But that didn't become the norm, did it? It wasn't, didn't no. prove to be sustainable. Johnson got his first goal in a Spurs shirt. How do you think he did? Um, I think he did rather well again. I think he is, he's certainly filling his way into the team, I think. Um, he offers something different to what Richie does. Uh, I wish, he still looks a tiny bit hesitant, or I really do think sometimes when he squares his fall back up he could just literally run past him if he because mm-hmm. I think he's got blistering pace and he doesn't do that enough his goal was brilliantly taken that's the kind of run you want to make when you've when mm-hmm. you realize what's going on on the opposite flank there with a beautiful uh little reverse ball by Decky back flick kind of thing um but once again he's um he's I mean he had that chance where the where it literally was his moment of running out of steam wasn't it and I think he went there he's cramping up a lot isn't he and I don't know and quite often I think the cramping up can come from just using a lot of nervous energy. So I'm not sure whether mentally he's still trying to feel his way into playing for what would be a bigger club because um, mm. he did that in the other games where he kind of cramped up a bit. So It might also be fitness. He wasn't there for most of pre-season. He played four games for Forest, though, before yeah. joining us. And then he only... Missed the two games when he was injured for us, but I know, yeah, yeah, it could be. That. I don't know what their, I don't know what their fitness regime's like, and whether that <laughs> kind of fits with what what we're doing. I mean, I think that goal is because it, it starts with Johnson on the left. He's got the ball. And he yeah, passes yeah. it back to Saar. Uh, Saar passes inside. I think he meant to pass it to Hoybier, but Hoybier falls uh, falls over and it ends up going to Decky, which I think Saar's habit of slightly overhitting passes paid off there. Um, yeah. And then you're right, the kind of that little back heel from um, Decky to Porro, and Johnson makes a great run. You know, considering he starts that move out on the byline to to find himself in the middle of the goal, and he's got three defenders on him when he when he just taps it in. It's a really really good bit of work and, and yeah. positive. What do you think, Gareth? Yeah, for for me, if I look at that starting eleven, which may well be, end up being the starting eleven for the next game as well, he's the he's the player that excites me the most in mm. that team. And you look at the, you know, the last four games we scored yesterday against Chelsea. If Sonny's toes are a millimetre further back, then he's got an assist for a second goal. He obviously got the assist at Palace having come on. Um, but it, I mean, it's interesting actually what you um, of what you say, 
Ricky about those injuries because he started three games this year. Obviously, he was collateral in the Chelsea game yeah. through no fault of his own. He started against the Arsenal game and played really well and came off with a muscular injury, which That's then kept right. him out for a couple of games. And yeah, I don't know whether that was just a cramp that he got in his car when he had that chance to score the second one. I, I mean, I, th- I thought he was... Any wide players are often going to be quite peripheral. He's not a wide player who you expect to get involved in the in the middle of the pitch. So once we were unable to progress the ball and keep hold of it, he was kind of a bit of a passenger through no fault of his own and mm. wasn't able to contribute to anything going forward because really we weren't able to do anything going forward until he had that chance in the in the second half on the on the break. I actually think as well that was going back to the t- to the team selection. I actually think like him and Son would benefit the kind of pockets you normally want the to get into they're the kind of players that he can play really good balls to so I think he would benefit from a La Celso type player more so than if you're expecting Saar to do that but um and then ironically when La Celso did come on it Johnson went off so yeah <laughs> so I was never going to see that anyway so Andrew's clearly very frustrated with how we dropped off in the first half um what do you think the problem was there why do you think the players did that <sighs> think probably because that's their capability as you said we were we didn't have players who were able to transition the ball quickly and in that would you call it like a w and yeah w from from one side to the other um wolves pressed very high up the pitch i mean we, we went back i mean it felt like at one point you had gone in a time machine and you were watching a game from two years ago it was it, it felt particularly towards the end of the first half and second half that wolves would have a chance the tv had then showed like three replays of it you'd hear the crowd animated in the background it panned back to the pitch and then from our goal kick wolves would suddenly have the ball and they're just entering 12 final yeah. thing. so I, because of the amount of replays you couldn't actually see what the problem was i know you watched the game back Milo, yeah, so, I, I guess you're only watching the same feed, aren't you? Yeah, well, so one of the things I noticed re-watching it today is that I think the um, in the first half, you know, after that, I suppose the first 15, 20 minutes or so, the gap between defence and uh, and Sonny is huge. Um, and typically you want to be, you know, we'd play quite compact and the defence would push up and, and it makes passing between the lines a lot easier because the ball doesn't have to go as far. And also it makes it a lot harder for teams to play through you because you're closer together there's le- there's less space for them to attack it's harder for teams to to play through you and i think that was a problem right the way through i think that might have been what Ange was annoyed about it certainly didn't look quite as bad in the second half i think you know part of the cause for that you know dyer and davis i think are nervous about you know their lack of pace and even when they're pushing high they're not pushing as high as you'd expect um uh, R- romero and uh, and uh, van der ven to do but yeah i think that gap course it's a problem it also means that you, you know you, you're not completing passes as much so, so plays coming back at you and again then it's it's harder for the defense to push up um so i think i think um i think uh, i think angie's going to be asking them to be a lot braver um next time out and, and just and play higher play more compact uh play as a unit and I, I yeah i think that was that was part of the problem um you know you're saying about uh johnson and decky i think again both of them were kind of getting drawn into dropping a bit deeper as well and and wants them to stay high and wide because that pushes back the defense and or pulls back the defense and gives us more space to play in again so i think i think in that spell yeah, kind of the second half of the first half, or you know, maybe a bit more than that. We just gave Wolves too much space to play in, and um, yeah, a combination of that, and that's not really being able to play out from the back because of uh, you know, needing an extra touch, created a lot of problems for us. 
What was the... Because I, I thought the game came in four phases, really. So the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes mm-hmm. when we were, we were very good... Then Wolves were definitely on top of us and we, we couldn't get out. And it felt like it was inevitable that they were going to equalise. Mm-hmm. And Huang had that really good chance when it rebounded to him in the penalty area and he, he didn't score. But then it felt, I don't know whether it, it, it for me, it was about the same time that Bentancur came on. But it did feel that from about 60 of minutes onwards, 60 minutes, yeah. we really seemed to wrestle back momentum a little bit and we seemed to push play much higher and their chances became few and far between. And we actually ended up with the, without really playing well, we ended up creating the better chances ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, and obviously it then changed from the 90th minute onwards. But I just wondered when you watched it back, was there, is, is there an obvious trigger other than Bentancur coming on that we suddenly start to control the game a lot better? No, I don't think so. I would say not that I've noticed. I think um, I think the first half of the second half is more even than the end of the first half. But we're still very scrappy. Mm. We're still struggling to hold on to the ball. Um, yeah. I think I think you know there's there's quite a lot of players there having an off day. You know, and the next question I've got down is about Basuma and about whether Basuma has been playing. You know, he, he, I think he's been a little bit off form since. Um, since he took the suspension, yeah. yeah, and whether he's been playing within himself because he's been worried about picking up, you know, picking up another suspension for a yellow, and whether you know he's a diminished player when he, when he's not fully committed. Um, I mean, I think you've got to bear in mind that um, Lacelso's shot on the 87th minute was our first shot on target since Johnson's goal. Mm-hmm. So you know, for all the talk of dominance, you know, or you're know, coming back into it on the, from 60 minutes, that there's not really much end product there. Um, you know, Wolves ended the game with an XG of 1.9. We were 0.43. Yeah, we, we created virtually nothing. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Sonny, I mean, <laughs> Craig Dawson got, you know, had, had, had saw more of Sonny's balls than Sonny <laughs> saw of the match ball. You know, it's, um, it was, you know, we, there was, yeah, not very, very little there, I think. So, yeah, maybe we looked a bit better then, but overall, I thought. Yeah, I think I thought it we were did get. Cool. I mean, after especially after in the start of the second, it did get a bit into a ding dong battle, and I mm-hmm. think that got the kind of Wolves fans up a bit. And to be honest, I've watched lots of Wolves games, and they can dominate teams, or they can look very threatening. And I think that was in the first half and the second half. It felt like they were kind of going to get a go and I think probably maybe use some of their stats lie as well with their other previous games I think they might be another one of these teams that just are a bit goal shy they can't really get the goals that they deserve and um but I think we were still capable of some good bits of play the bit that led to that well the bit that led to um Johnson's chance was yeah. an amazing bit of play down the touchline where he's I mean as you as you say Milo I think it's W's and then down the touchline it's zigzag sometimes isn't yeah. it we just kind of play yeah. it and we and we talk we, about muscle memory I mean that had all yeah. the hallmarks of a Conte automotion didn't it with, with yeah. Hoiberg like, right in yeah. the middle of it but I mean they, they you know they did work they were quite good at getting out of tight positions on the edge of your own penalty area with a couple of one twos and suddenly finding yourself on the halfway line with a whole half to to play into there was the other chance wasn't there when Ben Tancur um sort of got on to the ball on about the edge of the centre circle and Sonny was making the run and, and a fully fit Bentanker rolls the ball into Sonny's path who probably yeah. lashes it home first time from the edge of the area and the ball just seemed to stick and by the time Sonny got it under control Wolves have got two players back but that's the chance that it, it resulted in the Celso mm. shot I mean I agree with you yeah. I, I was really surprised yeah. that Sonny didn't strike that first time yeah same here. Um, but you know, the Celso shot was into the top left hand corner and it, it was a pretty decent save to stop it going in should, should we just touch on Basuma briefly and and that you know that question about whether his form issues have been down to him worrying about getting another 
another suspension. Doesn't have to worry about that now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think possibly it does. I think because he doesn't seem to be as... But then having said that, worrying about yellow cards shouldn't really affect your attacking side of your game. And he's not really shown that power we've seen, or those spin turns where he breaks the lines as much as what he was doing earlier in the season. Um, it's quite hard to explain, I think, because... If anyone in the squad looked like they had confidence, it was him at the start of the season. He looked like he was like a reborn figure, really. And yeah. and and Angie's man management of him must have been pretty much perfect up to that point because he was fully on board with everything that was going on. So mm. I have no explanation, really. I'm not sure unless he felt a bit, he might have felt a bit guilty about the Luton thing. Some players do yeah. take that stuff on board or, sometimes. Or, or maybe he's just knocked his rhythm. He's come out of the rhythm of it. And then, you know, I mean, the Chelsea game was chaos wasn't it so you're not going to refine your rhythm in no. that game and um yeah maybe he's just a player who takes a, a couple of games to get going again i mean uh, i think taking him off when he was on a yellow made sense because the risk is he gets another yellow and then he misses one game but he's still got mm. the four yellow cards sat there and he's back in the same position so at least now they're actually cleared when he's when he's finished that suspension what do you think yeah. gareth I can't. I can't come up with anything more clever than the fact that he's someone who's, who needed to be off that threat of suspension, and that's affecting his his game. But again, I think think Ricky's right. You can understand that that might mean he wouldn't be throwing himself into as many challenges as as before. Um, I didn't actually think there was much in the challenge that he got a yellow card for. I thought I don't know. I won't go too much into detail on, on Tim Robinson who refereed yesterday, but um, it just felt like he was slightly put under pressure by the home crowd. That I think mm. Decky committed probably what was it? Emerson Royal got booked, which I think we'd all agree was one of the most obvious yellow cards you see this season. And then not long after that, Decky then committed a foul on the touchline, which I thought was probably very close to a yellow. Mm. I think he'd probably decided the next Spurs player that commits another foul, I'm going to give them a caution as well. And it was it was Bissouma, but it was almost as if the player played the ball and then ran into Bissouma. I just didn't think there was there was too much in it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. Again, it might just come back to that point I made right at the start that there's perhaps too many variables and, and moving parts at the moment to really be able to identify what's going on with Bissouma, but. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, once we're getting back into that flow where he's, he's got Van der Venen, he's got Romero behind him, he's, he's not playing on the threat of picking up a suspension, we might see the best of him again, but we'll obviously be without him for the, for the next game against Villa. So Benton, Colasalsa and Hill came on. Um, what do you think of the subs? How did they do? Did it make sense? Do they offer any answers to the issues we had in this game for the Villa game or Man City? Well, I thought I thought you know Ben Tanker was the one that we've been crying out for, and mm. he seems to have been brought back into the team fairly sensibly yeah. at the moment. I mean, you know, fingers crossed that a couple of weeks will give. I don't think he's been called up by Uruguay. I I did spend last night in a bit of a rabbit hole looking through international football federations websites and social media accounts to try and find <laughs> their um, squad announcements, and I couldn't find it on the U- Uruguayan one anyway. So I'm, I'm guessing he hasn't been called up, but they do definitely have two Copper America games coming up. Um, so hopefully that two weeks will, will be enough and mm. maybe he's available to start because you think putting him into any midfield combination that we've got is going to improve what we do have um, I think Benson Core I think he's still he's obviously still getting up to speed and finding his feet and I think he might need a little bit of an adjustment in our team because we're very much more an up and down the pitch team now as in mm-hmm. the flow we have when before although he was up and down he was more kind of marshalling things and then breaking up through the line sometimes and maybe that's just that perpetual motion might be just a bit different in this team to what it was in the other team 
I mean, we were obviously very close. I mean, we moaned about some things, but we were obviously very close um, if we'd have made a different substitution for the um, the kind of Saab, Suma, Bentoncourt dream centre midfield. Yeah. Three, but, um, but we missed out on that. Um, so, uh, and the, I thought the Celso was all right. I don't think it was too bad. I think, you know, uh, you, I mean, you, you, I'd get, I mean, if I was to judge him too quickly, I'd probably get a job on a certain radio station if I was to make too many quick, quick judgments on him. But uh, yeah, yeah, I thought he did all right to sell so. I think it'd be, it'd be useful if Benton Kerr is, you know, if he has got the next two weeks back at, um, back at the training grounds, uh, you know, fully up to fit and uh, yeah. fully fit and uh, ready for Villa. I think, um, I think him in the, the role we are starting to play yesterday would be a, a big improvement. I think Saar looked a little bit lost on the left-hand side and playing further forwards. Um, and I, I really like Saar as a, a busy, hustling, um, you know, eight, you know, the more defensively yeah. minded eight of the two. I, I, his passing, I don't think is particularly, I think it's the weakest part of his game. They're always a little bit overhit and a little bit bobbly when they reach people. And um well, as we saw with the goal, it's, you know, you can kind of overhit it for a Hoybier. Hoybier falls over. It's, it's a bit bouncy and ends up at Decky. Um, and, um, so I, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer him there. I think, I think Benton Kerr in the, in the final third is a lot more composed and, and, and would cause problems. And we know he's a goal threat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Hoybier drops back into the six role covering for Basuma, which, you know, he, he did when, when, Basuma was last out and did reasonably well, so I, I think that's probably what he'll do in the next game uh, if he's fit. Um, I think we need but... to we need to rem- we need to remember that because I don't think he was at his previous clubs, but he certainly became a gold threat with us, Benton and we need to harness that because you know we need to, as many goals from different areas as possible, mm. and I think some of that is because he's an exp- as you say his composure is very good, and I mean we've seen that a little bit from Hoiberg sometimes yeah. when he finishes, doesn't he? He's just like quite comfortable just rolling in the corner, like yep. as though you know, but. Um, yeah, but hopefully that the sense because we've got no injury problems there. Hopefully we can find a bit of a magic formula in there going forward that will just support the other deficiencies we've got because of the selections. You yeah, know, we're forced into doing. I mean, it feels yeah. to me like the Celso and Hill, you know, still you know, a little bit further back in finding their way in. You know, I mean, yeah. arguably neither of them ever have, apart from that spell that um, you know you mentioned under Mourinho with um, with Lacelso earlier on, and um, and and Brian Hill. You could basically say the Palace game last season is yeah. probably the highlight of his time with us, and that that's about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, I think that you know they're obviously going to get chances over the next few weeks, aren't they? And it's it's, it's whether they take those or not as to whether you know how long they're going to be with us. I'd, yeah. I, th- I think I agree. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if we sold La Celso in January and, you know, maybe re- um, recall Divine. Um, yeah, because I think if, if he's not going to get that many chances with us, he's going to himself actually be quite yeah. finally yeah. dispirited and think whatever. And I think we've said before, there's potential money for La Celso, I think, you know, it might he, be, you know, for the kids. He's, he's one of the few saleable surplus players. Yeah, we've got. I, I mean, so. same true of Brian Hill, actually. There'd be there'd be no shortage of takers for Brian Hill in Spain with the, um, yeah. you know, both of those we could bring in cash for and um, we might need that. Yeah. Yeah. So we worked hard for 90 minutes and then Wolves scored twice in extra time. Um, what went wrong? I, I didn't realise until I watched back today that both goals are essentially identical in that it's a yeah. runner running from deep who isn't picked up and runs beyond our line of defence. I mean, the, the, the first goal, give credit 
I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I don't even know who the bloke was. I've never, never heard of him before. Um, perhaps, I, perhaps I should have done, but you suspect that the majority of occasions, nine to, I don't know, as, as an XG, as that ball's played over his shoulder, the chances of him controlling it in one touch and without the ball bouncing, mm. they then volley it into the corner of a product probably pretty minimal i yeah. thought i'd was i was reasonably confident because it was just literally ticking into the 90th mm. minute there the ball comes from from dyer trying to play a, a ball back from a fairly deep position down the touchline that goes out for a throw in yeah Wolves take the throwing quickly and and score from it you know there's, there's lots of things that happen between dyer passing it and the ball ending up in the net but i certainly didn't think it was inevitable they were going to score. I mean, in my opinion, we were you know we were about to ground out a pretty yeah. unremarkable one 0 win at that point. It felt like we really had weathered the storm mm-hmm. earlier on in the in the second half. But and then I thought, having gone to one one, we were caught in two minds really. Um, that you know the, the sensible thing to do is to think, okay, well, look, it's what we, we, should, we thought we were going to win. It's going to be a draw. Let's just make sure that we don't lose now. But you can see with Angie's mentality, and this is what we all want. Um, we all want them to go out and think there's a chance of winning this game at the moment. So we were we were rushing play a little bit. We it's certainly rushed scrappy, that quick free kick, didn't we? And yeah. then the ball was ball was turned over. And again, very very similar goal. So Lamina makes a run from deep, which isn't picked up by anyone. The ball's played behind our our defence, not on the halfway line, as we all feared might be the case on after Monday night but from about the edge of the penalty area yeah I mean if we're pointing fingers I mean the first two Hoybier and Dyer particularly Dyer are backing off if Dyer closes down um, the the cross doesn't come in and I I do think again when we look at um, our defence I think this is an issue you know Romero you know he's going to be straight on that man. It's going to he's mm. going to close him down. That cross doesn't come in, and I think our defence was just a bit too passive all game. I think they did well at what they were doing. It's just not how this system is meant to work. Mm. And then the second one, Royal goes to sleep. He doesn't he doesn't pick him up and the, allows the pass to get into the box. And but I think you're right, Gareth. I think in between that we let the game get very very scrappy. We lost we lacked control, and I think we lacked a bit of kind of intelligence about how we played the game we we allowed uh wolves to to make the game like that and you know obviously the, the crowd there were i mean they were, they were excellent all through, throughout weren't they and they're making a lot of noise and it was it was pretty intense i thought yeah i thought the first guy there was something weird going on the first hole because when i watched the replay of the goals out on that our right hand touch line 21 and 23 was Poro and Kuliseski were literally standing within a yard of each other mm-hmm. and then for some reason their man had it on the left touch line and then that made Dyer come out a bit from the centre and then Hoiberg was then coming in behind Dyer so we almost had like three people Kuliseski, Poro and Dyer just doing nothing with the person that was going to cross it yeah. and then the man sort of made a their player made a sort of a blindside run behind Hoiberg and admittedly the pass is great and the finish is great so that all happens within mm-hmm. two three seconds doesn't it so sometimes that's hard but it's almost as though we had sort of three players doing nothing and then the second one I just thought that the line was good and we tried to use that line by stepping out when the pass was going to come and we mistimed it by a split second because Lamina was onside but the other alternative there was was Dyer to think I'm not going to play outside I see that player coming I can just run with him to at least shield him or block the shot if he gets it into his path and that's the. I mean, that's the percentage you play, really. Uh, as you say, with better quality of defenders, maybe none of that happens. So you yeah. Know. Well, I mean, that first goal, you could you could give him a hundred goes at that, and you're going to get it once. Isn't yeah, it? finish wise. <laughs> I mean, because because one of our players could have been five yards nearer to him, but if someone just controls it and wallops it, then yep. you've literally got a split second to intervene. Otherwise, 
it's going, you know, and yeah. and it was near post, but there's no blame on the keeper at all. That's just gone in like a rocket at the end of the day. Yeah. So I'm not going to ever blame Vicario for anything, I don't think, at this point. <laughs> I'd say, like you, Gareth, I, I thought we'd done enough. And, I, yeah. you know, I didn't particularly enjoy the performance, but I was pretty pleased that I thought we were going to see it out and walk away with the points. And, you know, you would have said, you know, that's it's a job, you know, job well done under the circumstances. Um, I mean, maybe. Do maybe, you... Um... Do you think it's a coincidence that we've conceded five goals in the last three games in the 90th minute plus? So two against Chelsea, um, one at Palace, and then two yesterday. I think I've seen some suggestions that the players coming into the team were fatigued, um, particularly. Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, Royal certainly fell asleep for um, for the second goal. And I don't know. I mean, I think with Dyer and the first one where he's not closing down the, the, the cross and is backing off, that's that's old habits, isn't it? That's something we've seen quite a lot from him in the past. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's muscle memory. I'm not sure. It's, it's just... Is it not um, these things level themselves out over a season in action? <laughs> Could be. Because <laughs> we've scored plenty of late goals, so now it's boots on the other foot. And, and, and I think that, you know, obviously the other thing is momentum. When 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 Wolves score a goal in the 90th minute, the crowd are up and and the game gets yeah. scrappy, it's going gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna to favour them, isn't it? Yeah. If, if Lo Celso's shot to the top left corner goes in a couple of minutes before their first goal, then it's a different game, isn't yeah. it? Exactly, it looks like a lovely win, doesn't it? Yeah. Overall, it's the first time I've watched the Spurs game this year, and it's been actually quite unenjoyable. I think with with obvious mitigating circumstances for it, there was no. It just felt like an endurance as the game went on. There, there wasn't really much to enjoy about it. It was just a bit of a slog. Yeah, I suppose so. I still thought we played some quite good stuff, but then I do also on the flip side of that respect Wolves. I just don't think they. Yeah. I think they're a really good side. I mean, that's we're going to talk about Wolves. That's what, that what I was going to ask question? you. I was going to say, what yeah, do you think of Wolves? Then. So, what do you think of Wolves? Ricky, Ricky. <laughs> I think they're um, well. Let's start with Gary O'Neill. I think I like I think him. I like An- him a lot. Ange praised him in the week, and I think there's a lot of there's. I wouldn't say similarities, but management style is. It's obviously rooted in keeping the group tight, keeping them motivated, improving players, believe it or not. You know what I mean? Because I think I was actually reading, I don't know why, don't ask me why, but I was actually reading a little bit of um, a Wolves forum today and they they were sceptical about him and now they're fully yeah. bought into him. And, and that's for the main reasons we are with Ange, really. Maybe not on the scale of Ange, but um, certainly... Um, They've got they they're all saying that at least five six players that looked like they were on their way out last year mm. are now fully back in the group and performing well. And I think the thing is with them, I think they've got some upside potential because they've got some real wild card players where you're not quite sure mm-hmm. if they're absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant or whether they're like just a bit of a kind of fluky street footballer that looks good. Like you've got Kuna, you've got yeah. Huang up front, could be you know could be a good player for them. That Bellegarde, I think he could be anything. Yeah, I thought Totti, I thought Totti had a good game. Goal. I thought Totti yeah, had a good yeah. game. And, and actually, the other them. player they rate quite a lot, and and I think he's actually all right, is Eight Nori at left back, mm. I think. Yes. Who's played left yeah. back for him. I know his corners were terrible, but he could he could he could come to our club and learn to hit the first man if he wanted to. But I would, <laughs> he, he's certainly he's certainly someone that I would say someone we should look at, because I think he's only twenty two. And he's right, played okay. some cracking games at left back, but he's much more capable playing further up the pitch as well as he needs to. And they say that he's just unbelievably technically good uh but sometimes just needs to learn some of the tactical nuances and that mm. kind of thing but um 
another yeah. player that's just yeah, I think he plays does he play for Algeria I think doesn't he so someone else I'm really impressed with it's and it's overall it's gone I th- yeah 8-0 is a really good point I th- he's someone who I remember seeing play maybe when they beat us 2-0 a couple of years ago at our stadium that he stood mm. out then and you just mm. think if you were gonna, if he was an upgrade on either Davis or Sessignon to be Udogi's exactly. challenge in that side with yeah. the potential to play left side as well mm. because when he's been playing forward they've been impressed but then uh, he had a great game against Salah at left back the other week and that kind of level loads of praise for him just needs to get a bit of consistency up I think they were actually comparing him a bit not obviously in the ultimate sense but to bail in the sense he's a left back that mm. could definitely looks like he's got potential to play further forward but um yeah I mean as you say we've got quite a few left-sided pick Perisic should be gone um Davis we got well I don't know if Davis will go actually I think I'd rather him stick around to be honest I'd know I'd put Wolves in that block of teams like Brentford Palace, Fulham, Forest, where they'll give anyone a good game. Look, to be fair, they've beaten Man City, haven't they, already this year? Yeah. But then they lost to Sheffield United last week. So there's some obviously some inconsistencies there. I mean, Pedro Neto is probably that. Well, he's, has been their best player this year. He's, yeah. He looks like he's going to be out for a while with a hamstring injury. Um, so yeah, yeah, they're they're sort of a, a decent, solid mid-table team. They're not going to be anywhere near the relegation this year. They're a team think, to be respected. I think the thing with Gary O'Neill that you've really got to respect is when he came in. You know, mm. the point in the season because they were yeah. quite a way into pre season, weren't they, by the time he was appointed? So, um, it's only a couple, two or three days before, I think, wasn't it? That's right. I think, so, yeah, yeah, it was really, really late. So, closing thoughts then one positive, one negative. Who wants to go first? Go on, Gareth. Huh. Uh, <laughs> list, list off the negatives. You do the <laughs> negatives. <and> then... <laughs> well, specifically just about the game because I've got some thoughts on what the next few weeks might look like, which I'm, yeah, I, know, I know we'll come on to. Um, the bright spot for me is that Brendan, Brendan Johnson's got his first goal. I think he's now got he's now got a catalogue of, of goals and you know, potential assists that he's got and I think it's it's really important that we've I, he feels I always felt like he'd probably be an upgrade on Richarlison there and mm-hmm. I think we've got a really good attacking player who, who generally will excite us and, and do really good things for us um the the negative of the game really I, I suppose it's it's just that fallout of the collateral of that Chelsea defeat and the the emotional and physical toll that it's had on us and you know how long that might continue I, I certainly felt that was the sort of cloud hanging over us literally in terms of the um, players that were unavailable there I just wonder whether emotionally whether that might have a bit of a toll do you, do you want to go on and do any negatives about the coming weeks as well do you, do, we're not we're wrapping up all of that after this after this question so Speak now, yeah. or if I ever hold your peace. Okay. Yeah. No. All, all, all I, I say. Look, this. I mean, that mean this as a positive, really. I just think we've we've got to see it that we've hit some pretty heavy turbulence at the moment. Um, we've hit a bit of a perfect storm of, of a lot of things have gone wrong all within about the space of, of five days, and I think it is going to be difficult for the next six to eight weeks. Because I think until Madison and and Van der Ven are back, the balance of the team is and the quality of the team is never quite going to be the be the same. And and, th- and therefore, it, look, it wouldn't surprise me if we. Go go into those sort of Christmas or the back end of the Christmas fixtures and we look at a league table and we're in maybe in in sixth place I think things will get better again in 2024 when those players get there mm-hmm. and we all you know we all said at the start of the season we knew there was going to be a bumpy bit in the road here I think we all thought it would happen immediately and it might take us until about now to get going I just think that maybe that's been reversed a little bit and we got a lot of points and we built expectation up at the start of the year and and now it's just going to plateau out due to a number of unfortunate things but I've got a lot of faith in Ange and that with a good couple of transfer windows it'll, it'll work out well mm. I think just 
just look at the other results going on around us as well. Newcastle lost at Bournemouth yesterday and looked completely insipid. You know, Villa lost at, at Forest last week. Liverpool dropped points at, at Luton. So it, it feels like the world's coming, or it could feel like the world's coming down on us because of what's happened in the last five days. But look, the, the, the bigger picture is we're in good hands here. We're definitely on our way up a mountain. And so we, we've just hit a bit of turbulence at the moment. You're going to have to keep your seatbelt on for a while and keep your shit together, everyone. And it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. Ricky. I suppose that, yeah, I suppose the results around us is the positive, really, because I think, um, to be fair to Newcastle, I think they're facing a similar crisis to us on the they are, yeah. suspension front, and I think Brighton are as well, from what I heard today. Um, they've got untold people out, so um, I don't know why that is. Uh, there, I mean, obviously, they've got there more was games an There's an altercation between uh, Trippier and some of the there Newcastle was, fans that. afterwards yep. where he was saying, you know, how many injured players have we got? How many yeah. injured players have we got after they were giving him grief mm. as they were walking off at the end of the game? So, yeah. We're both Isaac and Wilson are out for them, but um, so you know they get turned over down at Bournemouth, uh, which you know to them would be a horrible result. But you know there's always mitigating circumstances. I just think <laughs> I was thinking earlier this was um this is just a, been a classic game this season of snakes and ladders, isn't it? Do you know when you just like gradually get? Do you have a really good start and you roll some great numbers and you get right to yeah. the stop and you hit that big ladder? The Chelsea game was that no that big snake which basically takes us all the way down to like the second all the way down the board. You think oh what a reset that is, and then after we and one nil up, you thought oh, I'm just climbing up again. And you take that other li- then you roll a dice and get that other little snake that takes you right down to the bottom row again, and it's just like oh all that extra work now we've got to do to like and it's not like this it's not like the redemption comes quickly, does it? Either mm. we've got you know we've got defenders out at this stage, and then our defenders at some point roll into our centre midfielders disappearing for the African Cup of Nations. So we're going to have quite a long spell where we you know Angie's not going to have a full squad to pick from. Um, January come along, maybe we can add some people, so maybe that will help, and hopefully. I think we've just got to tick along sometimes. I mean, the game's coming up in the next four. Villa City, West Ham, Newcastle. Yeah. And that's quite a then tough... Forest away who are very good at the city ground. Yeah. So it's quite it's quite a tough schedule. So um, uh, so I suppose the other positive would be uh, 26 points in the bank does help us out. I won't have a negative. It is Matt Doherty, an Irishman, coming on with gloves in November. Absolute disgrace to the nation. That's <laughs> <laughs> What is um, he thinking? <laughs> my my negative uh, is just throwing it away an extra time. We're so close to getting oh, that and yeah. coming away with some decent points there. Um, my positive is that I and I think quite often underplays the recovery time for for players. He's he's quite often um, you know plays down the chances of players coming back and I'm I'm hopeful that that's what he's doing with uh, with Mickey and Madison and that we might see them back a little bit earlier than than he's been saying and with Richarlison I think he said I think he said up to a month in the presser when I was reading up on the injury and surgery it was saying three to four weeks we would sit in with that but if it's three yeah. weeks then we might see him for Man City potentially yeah. it's the lower end of that because again I think if you look at our front line you know, we're in the position now where if we're starting with Johnson's son and Decky, then you've only got Valise and Hill on the bench out of the forwards. And there's not a lot of experience there. Um, so, yeah, I think getting Richarlison back will, will really help and just give us some options there. Yeah. Should we move on to the week that was? It's a brief one, really. We just got uh, <laughs> Ange made a hat-trick of Manager of the Month wins by picking up the award for October. Makes him the first ever manager to win it in his their first three... Sorry, win it three times in their first three months in the league. Um, I think with two losses in November, it's unlikely he's going to be able to yeah. pick it up for a fourth time. 
be a it pretty surpri- spectacular result against Villa, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he makes a bit of a joke about that in one of his pressers at some point because he's quite good humoured like that, isn't he? What What I really liked was on the photo the club put out with him with the trophy. He had all of the coaching staff with him, yeah. which I think speaks you know speaks a lot of the the man and kind of made me think. Yeah, we're going to be all right while you're here, no matter what's happened at the moment. Yeah, we're going to be all right with you. Mm-hmm. And finally, Jamie Donnelly uh, picked up Premier League Two Player of the Month for October as well, um, which goes along with his first appearance in our first team squad for a Premier League game uh, this weekend. Thanks, lads. That was fun. Cheers, Milo. Thanks, Milo. Fingers crossed for everyone for the international break. They all come back. <sighs> Bring well them home. Non-injured yeah. and everything like that. I think this is the first time this season that I'm actually looking forward to an international break. Yeah, she might <laughs> yeah. give us a chance of getting a few players back and taking a breather. And... Definitely. <laughs> So, yeah, we've just said it. it's an international break next weekend, but we'll be back as usual to talk Spurs. And Steph will also be back from having to work overtime to lead us through proceedings. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you then. <laughs>